Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. Today is the end of the month, which means it is a music episode. And today I'm going to be flying solo. I just, the last few months have been kind of uh, chaotic for me and I haven't been able to find uh, a co-host. Well, partially I haven't dedicated the time to find it because once again, things have been crazy. So today's episode is going to be a little different. I am uh, going to talk about uh, some artists that I like that perhaps might be surprising that I like them. Uh, there are different genres and whatnot. And then I'm going to talk at the end about how music affects people. So uh, I'm going to start off with somebody that I grew up listening to because my mom loved him. But it turns out as an adult, I like a lot of his music. And that is Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond is a prolific songwriter. He has come out with all sorts of great songs that people sing all the time. Sweet Caroline, oh dang it, the one, there's a monkey song that he re originally recorded, and his career was amazing, it lasted forever, and the cool thing about Neil Diamond is that man knows how to put on a concert. I took my mom to see Neil Diamond, and I'm not kidding you when I say it's probably a top five concert for me. It was incredible. And it was really funny because the concert was made up mostly of boomers or boomers and their children that were taking them to <laughs> to see Neil Diamond. It was kind of funny, but it was a great, great, great concert. And when you see, I don't know, 20,000 people singing Sweet Caroline together, it it's pretty amazing. Um, however, my favorite Neil Diamond song is I Am I Said. Uh, that's a song about being lon about loneliness and being lonely and sort of your world is so busy you're always doing stuff and you no longer feel you fit in in different places and that song has just a hell of a deep meaning to it i particularly like it love it don't know why but well i mean it's a good song that's why duh but it is something that if you've never listened to i suggest go on your music service pop in neil diamond i am i said and you're going to discover why that's such a great song He's got uh, Forever in Blue Jeans, another great song. Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. America, which was from the jazz singer, which is a great song. Cracklin' Rosie's another great song. Um, there was a song that he had on some album when I was a kid that Mom always listened to called uh, Porcupine Pie. And I just always found that to be a, a funny song. Uh, Cherry Cherry's great. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, Neil Diamond. He's definitely on the list of uh, musicians and artists that I like that probably would be somewhat surprising. Uh, another artist that I enjoy is Willie Nelson. Uh, growing up, my dad was a humongous Willie Nelson fan, and we were always listening to Willie Nelson. And I 
to this day love me a good Willie Nelson song, especially the stuff from the late 70s and the early 80s. Um, but even Willie Nelson's collaborations he's done are incredible. He, of course, he did a ton of them with Waylon Jennings. Uh, he did a few with Merle Haggard. And then, uh, uh, my God, what the? And, of course, uh, Ray Charles, Seven Spanish Angels, uh, which is just a phenomenal song. Um, of course, any time you do a collab with Ray Charles, it's going to be a, a phenomenal song. And uh, Willie Nelson, there are just so many songs that Willie Nelson has uh, written and sang. The man's career started in the 60s, went through the 70s. He was part of Outlaw Rock. And, of course, now most people know Willie Nelson because of his fondness for uh, Mary Jane. But he is probably one of country music's all-time great writers, uh, uh, songwriters. Uh, the man was prolific, probably is still pretty prolific. And when he dies, I have a feeling we're going to find out that he has hundreds of songs that he's written that have never been recorded. And who knows if they will be disseminated to other artists to record. I hope that if that's the case, his music doesn't get lost and somehow it does get uh, recorded and turned into a song or released i mean so willie nelson yeah willie nelson uh sort of on that same boat is hank williams jr i do like his music from the once again late 70s early 80s uh, as he went on through his career i didn't necessarily enjoy his music as much but there's that period from the outlaw country phase that i really love you know, Country Boy Can Survive is something I grew up listening to all the time. And obviously, if you're familiar with that time frame, he had a whole bunch of songs. Uh, sort of on that same boat is Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings. You know, sort of that other part of the outlaw country movement. Uh, Chris Christopherson was a part of that. Um, although I'm not as big a Chris Christopherson fan as I am. Uh, some of these other artists sort of on that same bent while we're in country i was a huge fan of eddie rabbit growing up i love a rainy night was played all the damn time rocky mountain music of course he did any every which way but loose from the great clint eastwood film right turn clyde well every which way but loose is the name of the movie but if you're my age you know what right turn clyde means but Eddie Rabbit, uh, it was it was a sad day when he died of cancer. He was a uh, he was more country pop or pop country, but uh, his songs were all very catchy. Did a pretty good duet with I believe yeah Crystal Gale, and just he was another artist that I have just always liked, always enjoyed. I do like. Well, I don't see why it would be surprising to say that I like. Uh, Jimi Hendrix. There are a couple songs of Jefferson Airplane that I like if we're going back into the 60s. Uh, one of my favorite bands, though, of all time is Dr. Hook. Uh, they were popular in the 70s, kind of did some pop stuff, but I guess they were mostly kind of poppy, but their their lead singers were great. Their songs are quite emotional. It seems like the dude was always, uh, all of his songs are kind of about shitty things happening to him. And, of course, they wrote the great, 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 great comedy song, Cover the Rolling Stone, which is one of my all-time favorite 
uh, songs. I love that song. It's I find it hilarious, but I have a dark sense of humor. So there is that. Well, let's see. Moving on. I like Tiffany from the 80s. She was big when I was a teenager. I like her songs from back then. I also like Debbie Gibson. Of course, now she goes by Deborah Gibson. But I liked her music back in the day. And I will definitely listen to uh, those songs occasionally if the mood strikes me. They're in a lot of my playlists. And, you know, hey, that's that's just a part of, from the time that I grew up. I grew up in the 80s. I love 80s music. I like Wham. Love me some Wham. Uh, although, Last Christmas, not a Christmas song. It just so happens to mention Christmas in it. She dumped them. So there is that. But yeah, Wham. Love George Michael, Faith. That, whew, my gosh, my ninth grade year, that was probably one of the hugest albums of all time. It, that thing just got all sorts of airplay. Uh, all sorts of airplay. And let's see, moving into the 90s, Love Me Some Collective Soul. Don't know if that's surprising, but Collective Soul put out a lot of, a, a lot of really popular songs in the 90s. If I, if I remember correctly, they were like one of the uh, top bands of the 90s, and most people don't realize that. I want to say they had more top 10 hits or top 10 songs for airplay in the 90s than, than most bands that sort of made it from that time frame. They had a, a ton of airplay. ton of airplay. Uh, let's see. Who else is a band that I like that might be surprising? Ugh, let me can move on to a couple of 90s one-hit wonders that I love. Um, I love Cannonball by The Breeders. Saw them live. They opened up for Nirvana when I saw Nirvana back in the day. I love the song Flagpole Sitta by Harvey Danger. I don't know why. I've, I've always found it funny with the part where he's like, he's in a mental hospital and they cut off his legs and he's all, now I'm an amputee, goddamn you. And it's like, he's not even mad about the whole thing, but he is. Uh, so I've just always liked that song, Flagpole Sitta. In, in Cannonball, I love the uh, ow, ow part. And I'm sorry that I did that to everybody. But, you know, hey, I did it. I'm not going to run away from it. Also, another one-hit wonder from the 90s that I like. Now, this is early 90s, but I do like it. And that is the song I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. I do know that the music part of it gets played in a lot of TV and film. But uh, the actual song I I like, it's catchy, got a great beat. I understand why it made it uh, popular. Uh, Groove is in the Heart by D-Light. It's another song that early, early 90s. Uh, it, it was big my the last half of my senior year, right before I graduated. But I always, I don't know, there's something about that song that is just always, my brain is always liked. Always, always liked. Uh, Joan Osborne, who had the song One of Us. Uh, that album that One of Us is on is a phenomenal album. I know that one of us got played a lot on pop stations, but her album is really almost, I don't know, it's its not really pop. It's almost more blues in a, in a sense. It's almost like a poppy blues mix. Yeah, but her first album that one of us is on is a great album. I used to listen to it front to back all the time. 
just always, always, always love that, uh, love that song. Also, uh, even though she's not a one-hit wonder, I, I love Jewel. Very talented, incredibly talented, great singer, great songwriter. And uh, so that might be a shock of an artist that I, that I actually like a lot. Um, there is a song, and I don't even know if you can call them a one-hit wonder. They got a lot of airplay on the local radio station when I was in the Army and stationed at Fort Hood, Texas in Colleen. Uh, the station we listened to was out of uh, Austin. I do not know if maybe this band was from Austin or uh, whoever the the general manager of the station was just happened to like it. It is a band called Hum, and the song is called Stars. And it's... It's strangely enough, it's the lightest song on their album, but I've, it has this line that's just always stuck with me. And that's, I give her everything she wants, but nothing that she needs. And that's just always, uh, just stuck with me as sad. And I don't know, it, it's just kind of sad that he recognizes, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's abusive. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I've just always felt. Maybe it's just a relationship that sucks really bad. I've just always felt that that was, um, oh, there's a Higgins bark. I've just always felt that that was oddly sad. Just a sad line. It's always just struck me. So anyway, uh, another sort of one hit. Well, I don't know. It's not a one hit wonder. I've liked the song Happy by Pharrell Williams. I have no idea what. A Room Without a Roof, why that would make you happy or what you're supposed to feel like when that's on. Uh, I don't know. Um, I've just always found that song catchy. I've always loved the Earth, Wind, and Fire song, Let's Groove. Uh, first of all, it has robot sound. And any time a song has robot sound in it, I'm probably going to be a huge fan of it because robot sounds are the best sounds. That's just the way it is. And it has that in it. Another song that uh, I like is The Pogues, If I Should Fall From Grace With God. Uh, that song was used, I think, in a Subaru commercial a few years ago. Uh, anyway, it, it's a great, great, great song. Vanessa Carlton, A Thousand Miles. I've always liked that song. Uh, she's a phenomenal singer, and it's really sad that she didn't have a lot more uh, radio airplay than... Then she got from other songs because the album that that song is on is a is a is a damn fine album. So I don't understand why. I don't know. The radio industry is weird to me. It was always sort of weird to me, just how they pick and choose. Because a lot of one hit wonders are great artists that have had great songs, but for whatever reason, after that one song, they could not get a radio station to play their music, to save their lives. And I don't understand that. And of course, now the music industry is completely different from when I was a, a young man, because it's not based on radio play. It's based more on downloads and times it gets played on streaming services. And strangely enough, the one thing though, that they, the one metric that modern music, okay, I'm about to go off on a rant here. One of the things that modern music doesn't do or artists they do they discount the power of youtube and i've noticed that it's 
it's artists over a certain time frame that tend to not appreciate YouTube and what YouTube can do for your music. It tends to be artists that are more boomers. Gen X gets YouTube and they understand that you need to use YouTube for uh, marketing. But a lot of artists that are are the boomers, that generation, they just don't get it. Don Henley of the Eagles apparently has a small team of people that all they do is just scour YouTube for people that are playing Eagles music and then they copyright claim it. Well, do you want your music to live? Do you want your music to go past maybe millennials? Do you want Gen Z to listen to your music? Because if you want Gen Z to listen to your music, then you need to be big on YouTube and especially to uh, YouTube channels that do reaction videos. That's how your music lives and that's how your music is going to get spread to the next generation. It is not going to spread to the next generation the way it used to through radio airplay and parents. Kids don't listen to the radio in the car as they're driving with their parents anymore. They have their phone and they have their earbuds in and they're listening to a streaming service and they're listening to their music. And if you want to reach that generation, you have to be big into YouTube and you have to be big into reaction videos and videos that dissect, you know, sort of show this is how this song was put together, that type stuff, and channels that teach people how to play those songs. You have to be big into that if you want your music to to live the the people that like a lot of that music they're getting older and they're starting to die off and then it's gonna start you know it's happening to boomers now but you know gen x we're we're right up on the tail of that and before you know it the eagles are going to be thought of in the same light as you know some big band dude from the 20s nobody talks about big band music anymore and the Eagles are going to be the exact same way. Uh, and not just the Eagles. They're, they're a bunch of other sort of bands from the 70s, uh, 60s and 70s that are the same way. A band that's huge into reaction videos are The Doors. They, they will shout out on social media if they find out that you've done a reaction video. Because they know that that spreads out. Or spreads out. That gets their music out to a whole new group of people. The same thing with Phil Collins. What was it? Three years ago, there was that viral video of the twins that were reacting to in the a live version of In the Air Tonight. And his song went from not even like in the top five thousands of downloads on Apple to number one in like a week. And then Phil Collins, I think, jumped into like top 20 downloads because people started listening to his other music. Now, did he make a buttload of money off of that? Probably not. But he made lifelong fans of his music because he didn't copyright copyright that. That video, if it's copyright, it does not go viral. And he does not get back in the forethought of people's minds. And I just don't understand why an artist or a record label would do stuff that prohibits people from discovering their music. It, it's, it's crazy to me. Crazy crazy to me. Now, I've noticed that a lot of times the 80s musicians is where that sort of starts to shift. A lot of musicians from the 80s don't seem to mind if 
it, it's on reaction videos and YouTube. There are those that do, obviously, uh, but I think there are probably more that don't. Uh, the 90s bands, a lot of those, same way. Uh, there are some that don't don't allow it, but there are a lot that do. And sometimes it's weird. They will they will let the video play if it's one somebody made and it's just lyrics. But if it's the actual music video, sometimes that gets copyrighted. But one that's just somebody made with the lyrics on it does not. And I just don't understand why you would want to do things that would limit people discovering your music. Isn't the goal to get people to listen to your music? I mean, yeah, you want to get you know, this creativeness that's inside of you out. But at the same time, you want people to listen to your music. And if you're copywriting, the people that are getting your music to the masses, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. You are not doing yourself any favors whatsoever. And, you know, I I hate to say it, but if that's going to be your attitude, maybe your music does deserve to die as good as it as good as it is. Which is a sad thing to say because I don't think that should be the case at all. I Good music is good music and it doesn't matter if it came out in the 1950s, the 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Oh, so now after 2010 there is no good music. Well, that's not true. There's some. But, <laughs> but if you want your music to live, prosper, move on to the next generations, you really need to embrace the things that the current generation does to be exposed to new music and YouTube and TikTok and maybe not Instagram, but you know, that's how people are exposed to music these days. <laughs> Live with it. Let it go. I, some of Twitch, I don't know if it's on Twitch. I don't Twitch or stream or any of that shit, but let your music be discovered. Do what the current people of mute, that listen to music do, and that's the way you ensure that your music is going to live and survive through another generation. And that next generation then will hopefully be able to do their part to make it go for another generation. So rant over. Sorry to go off like that. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? And then I know I was talking about bands and some one hit wonders, things that I like. Uh, music that I like, some unexpected and stuff like that. But I have had a theory since probably my junior year in high school. So just three or four years ago. And that theory is there is something in the human brain that reacts to music at an almost primal level. It affects you at your core. Good uh, good music. Hell, even bad music can affect you to your core or make you, you know, puke. <laughs> but this isn't something that is new that sort of only happened with, you know, modern rock music or pop music or, or whatever. If you go and study ancient Greek history, music was, if you worship Dionysus, music was a huge part of it and it was used to help people for lack of a better term get into a trance there was a lot of alcohol involved and listening to music was a big part of what would lead to sort of the spiritual worship of Dionysus who was the god of wine uh, ironically enough the name Dionysus lives on today would you like to know the modern name of Dionysus it's Dennis 
That's right. Everyone you know named Dennis is named after the Greek god Dionysus, and they do not know it. But music has this ability, just through the rhythm, the beat, everything, to affect you at your core. And to me, that is just one of the most amazing things about human evolution is this love for music. And, I mean, it it's used today. If you talk to worship leaders in churches, especially sort of modern churches that do uh, Christian rock music beforehand, worship leaders will tell you they know what they're doing. They're playing music in a certain way, the certain order that is designed to make you more receptive to what the pastor has to say in church. I do not know if back in the old day with choirs, I assume that probably had that effect on people too. But there is a component of that that they know affects humans in a certain way. And they use that. Their preachers, they use that. It's part of the worship experience, which of course plays into what my theory is. And that is that Music affects people at your core, at your soul, in a way that a lot of other things you see in life or experience in life does not. It's It almost affects you the same way being in love does. And, you know, there are times I can hear a song and it'll bring back a memory and I can be like, oh, crap. And I remember it, you know, something that I hadn't thought about in years. But in that moment, I heard that song on the radio or on a playlist, and that is exactly what led me back to, you know, that time and space. And it sounds weird, but watching somebody be enthralled by music is really, really kind of cool. Uh, there's a reaction channel called Rob Scott Squad Reactions, and it's a fella and his wife. Um, his name's Jordan. Her name is Amber. And... You can always tell when Amber likes a song because she almost goes into this trance as she's uh, listening to the song. And Jordan, he gets into the songs too. But Amber almost goes into this trance-like state when she likes a song. And it is... I can't, I, don't, I don't know how to put the words to it. Just watching her do that is amazing because it's like, wow, music does that to me. Is that what I look like when I'm really into a song? And it's getting her at her very core. And I love that. And music is, I think, one of the few things that's universal that can do that. Is the music the same? No. Does it affect people like that? Yeah, I think we've proven globally that music affects people, human humans, like very few other things do. And... That was sort of my point that people have known this about music forever. I would have to imagine that the first temple made up to Inaki in Mesopotamia in 4000 BC, music was probably involved. And, you know, it's amazing. So I know it might seem sort of odd and silly that I end each month talking about music, but... I'm doing it for a couple reasons. One, I love music. Two, music is important to humanity. And and it also, while serious, it's not serious at the same time. And so much stuff in the world right now is just so damn serious that it's nice to just have some discussions about things that 
Uh, while meaningful to a bunch of people in the grand scheme of things isn't necessarily important, but it, but at the same time it is important because you can discover new things, experience new things, hear how it affects people in that way. And I have a feeling, you know, that's why there are so many podcasts that talk about music and how music affected you and everything like that. So anyway, I hope I made sense with that. Um, who knows if I did or not. Hopefully I was able to express my idea. Now, music-wise, coming up, we are about to record a very special music episode. It's going to be coming out in June. It is the Van Halen Lead Singer Showdown. It is a battle between David Lee Roth, Sammy Hagar, and Gary Sharon. Full disclosure, Gary Sharon has already come in third place. That has been predetermined. It is a special episode that I am doing jointly with the Music Rewind podcast. Uh, the host, Stephen Epley, is going to come on and he's going to be the moderator of this episode. And there are going to be two teams. There is Team Diamond David Lee Roth and Team Red Rocker Sammy Hagar. We will be discussing what, why we each believe our particular person is the best lead singer of Van Halen. There will be five categories, three of which the two teams already know, two of which will be a surprise. Steven is going to surprise us with these last two questions. He's going to award points after each category on who he thinks win, uh, wins. The points will be awarded on a scale of one to five. And whoever gets closest to 20 at the end, their person will win and be the ultimate lead singer. If there is a tie, we do have a category set up to debate in case there is a tie, and that will determine the winner. And then just for fun afterwards, we are also going to discuss who's the better basis of Van Halen. That would be Michael Anthony or Wolfgang Van Halen. So <laughs> that's coming up in June. We are going to record it sooner than that. But to be honest, I have never edited something that will have five different people talking on it. The most I've ever done is three. So that will be interesting for me. Hopefully it will record in a way that will not require just a ton, ton, ton of editing on my part. But that remains to be seen. So uh, I hope everyone sticks around for that. Uh, if you go to my Instagram, Musings of an ADD Mind, you can see I've made a few posters for it up for this upcoming episode and i want to thank everybody involved and Stephen epley of the music rewind podcast for coming on to do this for me or with me we're kind of co-doing it so anyway uh i appreciate everybody for listening to me ramble for another 30 plus minutes and i'm going to go ahead and end the podcast the way i always do and i know that i fail to live up to this standard generally speaking but that is, uh, remember, try to live your life in a way that would make Mr. Rogers proud. Bye. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button.